1: To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weightloss. That's plushcare.com slash weightloss.
2: This podcast is a Royfield brown production. Find others on iTunes.
3: All right. Yeah, I know. No.
1: Hello? <laughs> this be old Grey Whiskers here. Hello? Hello? Be there anyone there? Well, right you are. Here we go. As you tried that there Patreon thingamy, if you enjoys a good chat amongst other folks what enjoys your favourite wireless programme, What? why not bung him a few bob? You'll have to find some young whippersnapper what knows how to use one of them their computer thingamies, but why not? If I can afford a few bob on my pension,
4: <laughs> so can you.
5: my Tucker. He is actually. Daddy, daddy, dummy, dummy, dummy,
4: dummy,
6: dummy,
5: dummy, 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 dummy,
6: dummy, 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 Dum the dum, the dum, the What nice is a sheep make?
5: Oh. Folks, this is dum Dumb, this show about the reality jockey drama that centred on Ambridge in the heart of the Midlands on the beautifully stylish exhibition stand that is Royfield Brown. And with me have the trestle table with a picture of sheep on it. That is Lucy Freeman. And the last part of David and Ruth's wedding fair, folks, is you. Now, this week's dum Dumb is a classic from the vaults. <laughs> it's Lydia and Holly. And I think at the time I said I dare anyone to top that. For, uh, I think you, Lucy, uh, commended the lung power. Yes. And, and the, the, the general gusto. <laughs> the vibrato I, as well. The, exactly. <laughs> I, I melted over the general kind of cuteness. Yes. It was just like, hmm. However, we do want you to try and top it, though, folks, because I think we're all out of Dumdy dums We've been on a purple patch, Lucy. We've had dum dums galore forever. Mm. We've had them backed up. But I think our cupboard is now bare. If you've sent me in a dum dum in the last two months and you haven't heard it, please email me because I think we're done. But I don't upset anybody. Somebody saying, oi mush, actually, I got all my family together on New Year's Eve. You know, <laughs> I got, got me up. the
4: former symphony orchestra. Where was it? <laughs> exactly,
5: exactly. It is possible there is one lurking behind the back of the sofa. However, um... If it is one, it is only just one, because I think we are done. Hence, I had to reach back into the archive and pull that out, with even vintage asides. So if you heard Lucy and I giggling, that's Lucy and I giggling last year, not this year. <laughs> <laughs> I was that lazy, people. I just yep. cut it out of the dum 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 side, put it on. Anyway, enough talk. Well done, Lydia and Holly. Uh, but, loose. Ah. Oh. That was a long wind-up for me to say, somebody wants to send us a (laughs) dumpty-dum.
4: How can that be done? If you would like to sing us a dumpty-dum with or without vibrato or leave us a plot prediction, then call us on 0203 031 3105 or leave us a message on Speakpipe. Thank you to Cosmo for his podcast roundups, to Mike Hatton for his character counts, Shambridge for her voices, and to Derek, the load in the back bedroom. Uh, Derek's been helping Auntie Cardboard sort out the radiators in her flat. She warned him that a cold front was on its way, so he made sure he breathed on his hands first.
5: Yay! <laughs> on this week's episode, folks, are here you hear views from Christopher, Claire, Old Grey Whiskers, Witherspoon, Babson, Trev. New York, Nigel. He returns. We got two Claires here. I think we only have one Claire.
4: Oh, okay. I think
5: you've double cleared us there have I unnecessarily. Sorry. Yeah. Yep. Uh, so just a single, Claire. Uh, Monty, Dave and Susan. Uh, but first, before all of that stuff, and he says, uh, looking around on this. Chris, we've got this up, oh, everybody. We're not on Zencaster this week. Yay! We have a new oh, interface.
6: Hallelujah.
5: Which means that I'm all at sea with my button pressing. But I've just got it <laughs> back under control. <laughs> I quickly panicked uh, when I said a Susan. Strange
4: sound effect noises. Uh, inappropriate moment. <laughs> Well, we began the week discussing crusty's joyful prospective union with philip who according to twitter may be a fraudster a coercive controller an appalling father an abusive former husband and a money launderer congratulations crusty <laughs> <laughs> her mother pitched up and immediately hijacked everything. Now you'll have to invite Auntie Sophie who's post-operative so you just need to give her room for her IV stand, she said. <laughs> "Poor old Crusty wasn't even allowed to have lunch where she wanted. I don't want to go to the Bat Ambridge, said her mother. We can either go to the place with no staff because they're all helping each other across dishes at Spiritual Hummus or we can go to the place where the man turned himself into gas- gaspacho off the roof. I vote <laughs> gaspacho! No <laughs> one locks the it is Even worse was Tom and Nokasha's reaction. Nokasha immediately said, We should go round. Why in the world would poor Krusty want to be visited by the man who humiliated her in front of the whole village and his malnourished wife in her bloody fur gilet and ug boots? <laughs> Sanity did not prevail, sadly, because Tom popped round to give her the benefit of his experience of a successful marriage. Bear in mind, he's been married about a year and his wife disappeared a fortnight in, nearly rekindled a relationship with her ex-boyfriend and revealed a financial history that makes Greece look strong and stable. I don't know why I just think <laughs> I'm a relate counsellor, quite frankly. Jimus is back on form, shouting, turning the water off on a whim, quoting reams of Latin and getting very upset. Maybe we should leave him alone, said Jazza brightly. That's a good idea, Jazza, especially as he specifically asked you and Alistair to leave him alone. (laughs) But no, one and a half minutes in and they were on at him again like rats up a drainpipe. For plotical reasons, Alistair went to Kirsty's, who he barely knows, to have a bath. Perfectly normal behaviour, that. Nothing odd there. I'm thinking of asking the Waitrose Delivery Man if he fancies a quick wash and brush up next time. Anyway, this was all (laughs) so that Alistair could be found by Gavin in the bath, while Gavin, again, for plotical reasons, was rooting through his father's wardrobe. I had no idea Philip keeps his laptop in the wardrobe, said Kirsty perplexedly. Do you think he's a mental Alistair? (laughs) Natasha... "'then had her bag stolen, allegedly. "'I left my wallet and my phone and my keys in it "'and then drove halfway home,' she said. Really? Your car drives without keys, does it? No wonder you're contemplating a new one. Must be a nightmare like having a Boris bike. Also, Natasha strikes me as someone who wouldn't even go to the lavatory without Instagramming it. Hashtag girly wee. Hashtag oh that's better. Hashtag me time. She would not leave her phone anywhere. It is surgically attached to her on a thread coming out of her lower intestines probably. All the Philip and Kirsty chat reminded Tom that he was married to a lunatic and that Kirsty was actually miles too good the, uh, miles too good for him so he spent the rest of the omnibus trailing around after Nokasha chuntering on about partnerships and what really matters in capital letters and even started quoting wedding vows at one particularly peculiar point even the irony of Nokasha rejecting a candidate for her business because he was a bit of a blagger was entirely lost on Tom mm. meanwhile <coughs> We just settled down after last week's insanity about the bat ambridge. But luckily, Linda's taken that one on for us. Thanks, Lindy Bottom. More power to your elbow. Leave it on the side and we'll all sign it on our way out. But this week, we had more of it. Loads more. Insanity, I mean. Not Linda's elbow. David and Mooth <laughs> managed to get a stand at a wedding fair. I have been to a wedding fair. I've never had a wedding, but I was made to go for work. It was like all hell. The stands are about £700. All the women had hair that didn't move. And there was three (laughs) Prosecco and everything was heart-shaped. And women wore shoes that hurt and sagged sideways onto little glass tables with carnations on. But because the stands were so expensive, because weddings are a huge industry, people had prepared really, really well. Apparently, Dave and Ruth just sort of pitched up. They did a bit of light shepherding first, which was fine because they were wearing jeans and they had some sort of pop-up poster thingy, which costs about another £700 in real life. And who designed it? and What was the branding? It was like the Beverly Hillbillies turning up at the polo. David Mm. and Ruth couldn't figure out why brides were giving them a wide berth. Why aren't they stopping at us? Asked David, bewildered. I think it might be because we smell a bit of poo, said Ruth. (laughs) Anyway, (laughs) she managed to corner one bride, Stephanie, who turned up at Brookfield and sounded like a slightly backward 11-year-old. But this is Borchester, so let's not inquire too far. Turned out she was the daughter of Vince Casey, the Abattoir King, would you believe, Mm. which makes her Princess of Meat she wants the moon on a stick (laughs) as many brides do now let us just sanity check this for a second The only event of any note David and Ruth have actually been to within the last decade was Ruth's own 50th birthday. Bear in mind, this was not organised by Ruth as she had no interest in it. And everyone around her felt that to leave her to organise it was like leaving a Stanley knife in the care of a distracted toddler. (laughs) Ruth nodded away. That's good. That was a good gag. Ruth nodded away, saying, Oh, yes, that sounds easy-peasy, Princess Meats. No problem there. (laughs) Glitter doves flocking above flaming braziers. No problemo, Steffi. We can probably arrange to have you brought in on the back of a sequined silage clamp while the Grenadier Guards play and I will always love you. David and Ruth cannot even organise a dinner, their own dinner. This is total madness and I am having none of it. One good thing, though, as mentioned before, we have a cause to get behind. Hoorah! Linda, the Prince Charles of Ambridge. I don't actually go to the pubs. I think it's common. But I have very strong opinions on everything about it, is trying to stop this bat Ambridge nonsense. Justin told Lily and everyone needed to calm down. Just say it's a new name, but the same values, reassured Justin. Same backbiting bar staff, same forced (laughs) jocularity for events no one in their right mind would celebrate, and a free peacock leg for every new customer. And finally, Kate's Day of Healing at Lower Loxley. Kate sounded like my daughter when she's faking a sore throat in an attempt to get out of going to college, but she struggled womanfully on through a badly organised and pointless day of team-building activities she told them their aim was a harmonious whole. tracy pointed out she already had one and they were all sent off to push each other in a ditch while shouting kate whittered on about emotional cleansing before togetherness and then she told them all to bugger off earlier she'd had enough now that is the secret of a successful team training day let them leave early that's it then they go to the pub, they slag off the course, the trainer, the management that sent them on the course, the lunch and the biscuits, and whoever the two people are, they're always inevitably going to snog, do that. And you all go home later than you would have done if you hadn't been let out early and everyone feels all bonded and a bit hiccupy. The only good thing that came out of Kate's <laughs> training was Kate and Freddie having a little reconciliation. Namaste, Freddie. No, thank you, Kate. I don't like noodles. <laughs> <The end. laughs> Well done. Well done. Oh,
5: goodness. Uh, you know what? I can genuinely, honestly say that was the best uh, Archer's monologue of the week. I tell you, Lucy. <laughs> uh, that Thanks, proper, Roy, That means a lot. Proper, proper, <laughs> awesome job. You, oh, oh, oh. Give yourself a pat on the back. Go on. Well done.
4: Yes, yes, I will. I will. I will. Um, but in the meantime, I have to do this before I forget. Mm. Uh, the Academic Archer's is coming up. Mm. And it is from the hey, 27th, no, yes, the 27th to the, well, it's the weekend of the 27th, basically, of, no, the 28th of February. Um, so it's 28th, 29th, 1st. Mm. And uh, it is at Reading College, and it is being run by uh, lovely Nicola Headlum. And uh, I am doing a little talky bit, uh, or a speech, as we call it in English, um, after uh, the dinner. The dinner. I think in English that's called an after-dinner speech, Lucy. That's the very thing. That's what I'm doing. How clever of you. I'm doing an after-dinner speech. And um, yes... Uh, so if you can come, that would be brilliant. I don't know how much the tickets are, but you can find all of that stuff out on the link, which Nicola has sent me, and I can't find it. Hold <laughs> line, caller.
6: Oh, for goodness
4: sake. Lala. Oh, there we go. You have to go to tickettailorcom forward slash events, forward slash academic archers. Uh, if you follow uh, Nicola, um, you can follow her at Academic Archers or at Network Nicola uh, N I C O L A. Uh, I think the links for it is on there. Um, and yes, it would be lovely to see lots of you there because I am a bit panicking about it as always. Why? So, oh, because you know, I do get a bit nervous. Um, so it would be nice to see nice faces looking back at me. And it sounds like it's going to be a really, really brilliant event anyway. There's loads of things going on. Um, so, yes, you can such either as, get a such as. ticket. Come on, pimp it, sell it. Oh, because I can't, da, 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 da. Oh, I can't... Hang on. Um... They're taking over the Museum of Eng- English uh, Rural Life, but that's sold out. That was on mm. Friday the 28th. On Saturday the 29th, um is the weekend conference. And uh then you can get a ticket just for the day on Saturday the 29th. Um and you can and then you can also or you can get a separate dinner uh ticket for the dinner, um which is uh Ba-ba-ba! Um, yes, it's at the Meadow Suite on the White Knights campus at the University of Reading. Uh, and it's posh dinner um, and it looks very much fun and I will see you there.
5: Awesome. Well, there, there you go, folks. If you haven't heard it before, you've heard it here first, here on, on, on Dum to Dumb, oh, Academic also, Archers. Sorry, sorry, mm-hmm.
4: sorry. I'm interrupting again. Um it uh they um they link up they run a buddy system which is lovely so um if if you haven't been to the academic archers before they will find you somebody that's been before if you want them to and uh link up with them so that you know what you're doing where you're going you've got a friendly face to meet you and um, i think that's a really really lovely idea
5: true true that
6: all right
4: so if it starts at 8 30 a.m goodness me um uh on the Saturday morning. And they will discuss all things ambridge over the course of the weekend.
5: Hey, that thing seems to be getting bigger and bigger each year, that academic archers. They're a proper, clever bunch. Uh very clever to get you along as well. Because uh you use proper funny and uh you'll you'll be awesome.
4: Oh thank so well you.
5: done you well done you. Right. Uh normally I would say shall we discuss the last week in Ambridge, but there's no point
6: no, to do that because so we have many so calls. many
5: calls and this show's getting longer and longer. So I'm just going to do this instead.
6: OK. Hello,
7: Ambridge 3962.
5: First off, let's have a little bit of our resident psychiatrist, psychotherapist shrink... Ed Doctor, over in the upper, lower, West-East side.
8: Hey, baby, I hear the blues are calling. Toss salads and scrambled eggs.
2: Mercy. Ah. Greetings, Lucy, Royfield, Millie Bell, Yoko Bear, and all Dempsey Demmers around the world. It's Witherspoon and Angus Haggis here. So we have a new villain in Ambridge, Gavin. First, I'd like to say that I like Philip. He's a good chap and loves Kirsty can be a good chap who has done well in business and has a great amount of savings, enough to spend thirty to 50,000 pounds on his self-involved son's wedding. And he can be a good chap who occasionally loses his temper. I know that I am. So I don't think there's anything suspect about Philip. Yes, there is. Back to (laughs) Gabby. (laughs) Based on his argument with Kirsty, I'd say that the underlying issue is Gavin's feelings regarding his parents' divorce, a sense that his father abandoned his mother and him, Mm -hmm. and he remains angry about it. The divorce may have created some sort of emotional distance between father and son. Gavin seeks money as a substitute for the love that he really wants from Philip, and I'm not blaming Philip here. There's frequently some sort of negative fallout between father and children in a divorce. I see it a lot in my office. Now, Gavin is perceiving Kirsty as Philip's replacement for his mother, and he's upset about that, and is treating Kirsty like a punching bag. Time to work through these issues, boy. Much like Jim is finally working through his issues. I think that Shula will accompany Jim to Harold Jason's funeral, and it will be cathartic for him, and the final repair in the relationship between Jim and Shula will occur. Fingers crossed that it's not a disaster." That's it for today. Talk to you soon.
5: Uh, can I just lead in with uh, an yeah. answer here, Lucy? Right. Uh, with a spoon. You know, I've got the deepest of respect for you. You are uh, wise beyond words. You understand human behavior and the human psyche in ways and dimensions that I can only ever hope. Uh, one day to obtain that level of knowledge well I just won't because I won't put in the work I won't go to to university for for five years (laughs) and read all the books and go to all the lectures you know I'll do what I did. when went to Northbrook which is gadfly around uh look longingly at women all the time and get booted off after the second year so I you know props you've put in the work and you've done it but you're wrong you are wrong about Philip Moss He is sitting on um, a layer of wealth of which our Kirsty is not aware of, though his son is. That is just fact. Everything points to that. And for whatever reason, he hasn't uh, disclosed it to Kirsty. We don't know why, but it will come out. Every kind of plot point of any significance which Philip has been involved in is to do with money. And or is offhandness with business dealings, but it's been much more subtle than, let's say, a Matt Crawford. You know, he's not a pantomime moustache twirling villain in that regard. And the the one point that you made in your culture, I do agree with. I utterly believe that he does love Kirsty. There's no question mm. of that. We've seen that enough times. Uh, the way that he proposed. Uh, And there are just about enough uh, scenes of genuine warmth. So, again, this is not Matt Crawford level of um, shady underhand dealings. But part of this issue to do with money is his relationship with his son, Gavin. Anyway, over to you, Lucy. I'll say no more
4: um i just need to say that uh this is absolutely nothing to do with philip but my cat has decided (laughs) to sit on my lap while i am recording this she has never done this before i don't understand why so the noise you can hear is her purring very very close to the microphone so for all the people that like listening to incidental and she keeps standing in front of the screen so i can't read things either thanks sybil tremendously helpful there um We've had a lot of emails on this. Wait a Philip minute. Seems I've only be, just realised you've got Sybil and Basil as your yeah. pets. Yes. Thank
5: God. You've been doing this show for five years.
7: <laughs> you've only just put that together.
4: Um, well done. Philip seems to have created a lot of, he's an international man of mystery. He's created a hell of a lot of conjecture. But there's a lot of support for your point of view, Royfield. So I I know you always like that. So I thought I'd put you in the good mood at the start of the show by reading out the emails that are uh, in support of you. Can can I just Um, also
5: say, Lucy, Right, mm. this is one of my favourite shows in terms of contributors, uh, their musings. A lot of them are about me, just saying. Quite a few. Well done. (laughs) Brace yourself, folks. This is going to be an awesome show.
4: Angelico Terrifico said, I want to support Royfield's suggestion that there's something about money running through the Phil and Kirsty storyline. I think he's totally right and I reckon there is something secretive going on. It strikes me that if Royfield is right, then it's very similar to what happened with Tom and Natasha. Could both Philip and Natasha's personal financial approach be too much for their partners to handle and eventually reunite Tom and Krusty? Next, from Ems, who says, uh, Ems is a um, uh, first-time contactor uh, <laughs> That's uh, her word. Um She remembers Doris dying, Brian arriving. Does that make me a Brian? Not quite sure. That's how I want to be known. Uh, she's a nurse and lives in London. Um... And she says, I'm wondering if there's going to be a link between Philip Gavin and the storyline involving Ed getting rid of dodgy chemicals, possibly building materials. Could Tim and Gavin be working together doing dodgy deliveries linked to waste, chemicals and rubbish? This storyline has not gone away, surely. Philip knows about it somehow or is in charge, but no longer involved. That would challenge Krusty's environmental views. Maybe she will find out through her new job. There is no way that anyone thinks that this marriage is going to work, is there? No Mm -mm. no one. (laughs) Okay. Final one, Mark. Sybil, move, move your bum, Sybil. Um, this is Mark from Belfast. Uh, he says, "I think Royfield is right when he says that Yay. Philip has a lot more money than Kirsty realizes. The fact that he was able to pay for more of their house and encourage Kirsty to take a low-paid job she actually loves, saying he could look after expenses, shows just how financially secure he is." There has been reference to Philip being older and Kirsty telling him to be careful when he's trying to do much around the house. I predicted he's going to have an accident and die, leaving Kirsty with a substantial inheritance. Gav will, of course, not believe that Kirsty didn't know about the money and will give her a hard time about being a gold digger. Meanwhile, Natasha's trips back to Wales to look after her business will be revealed as nothing more than excuse to see her ex, who she's been continuing some sort of relationship with behind Tom's back. As I think has been discussed before, their divorce will have an impact on the long term ownership of Bridge Farm as Natasha will make some sort of claim to it also given that Kirsty is with a man who's richer than she thinks and Tom is with a woman who isn't as rich as she appears to be (laughs) I think these stories are supposed to mirror each other in some sort of way and at some stage further down the line will lead to Kirsty and Tom getting back together my goodness there is a lot of support for that Mm. uh, that prediction Tom and Kirsty people do do not think that there is any way Kirsty is going to escape Tom
6: (laughs) (laughs) that's it yeah (laughs) Yep. Right. Mm. Mm.
5: Uh, Do you want to personally add anything to that? Or are you just going to read out the emails and should we go on to Babs and Trev?
4: Let's go on to Babs and Trev because I think everybody said what I'm... But to be honest, I genuinely, until you started going on about it, Mm. I had not... It hadn't struck me that there was anything weird about Philip and money. But now you've said it, I'm seeing it everywhere. So,
5: Just the way, you know, he is paying for that trip after getting Gav To apologise to Kirsty, then very subtly last week we we realised that he's gonna pony up the 30k. You know. And he hasn't said that to Kirsty at all.
6: Yeah. There you go. Yeah.
5: Dodgy dodgy dodgy. Anyway, here is a couple who are far from dodgy, they're all loved up. It's our Babs and Trev.
7: Hello, Royfield, Lucy, and all Dumpty Dummas around the world. Babs and Trev here.
5: Congratulations on getting into the top 10. We submit our reviews on Friday.
7: In mine, I talked about how the podcast includes emotional musings. Well, buckle up for this one. Last time, Royfield talked about Ribena at his nan's house in the 70s. (laughs) This brought up for me such a happy memory, but also a sadness about what we lose. My dad used to have a mug of hot Ribena every night before bed. And occasionally he let me have a sip but this was quite rare. He said it was because I might burn myself, but actually Ribena was expensive and in our house, not for children. So my dad's now 92 and he's in residential care. He's got Parkinson's and dementia Mm. and he can't walk or chew his food anymore. I know lots of dumpty dummers have had the experience of watching someone you love change to someone you don't recognise and it's really hard. But next time I visit, I'm going to make him a hot rye beaner. You'll enjoy that. So to the archers, what about that vitriolic exchange between Linda and Lillian? (laughs) (laughs) Thanks, Trev.
5: I think we should all just chill out about the name change. Really, Trev? Yeah, I agree with Vidderspoon. It all feels
7: like a joke, and I don't think it'll ever happen. We'll see. So to Kirsty, where does Tom get off giving her relationship advice? Mm. Like, all of a sudden, he's an expert. And also, why did Alistair go there to shower? Weird. Sherry couldn't shower at nearby exes. Oh, hold on. (laughs) Exactly. No wonder Gavin got the wrong end of the stick. But what the fuck was that argument about? And what was so urgently needed from the laptop? Good question. Gavin's definitely a wrong one.
5: It's enough to make us (laughs) rethink marrying into his family.
7: Is that a plot prediction, Trev? think so, Babs. Anyway... That's all from us. Keep up the good work, guys. Love and hugs to all. Bye. Yeah. <laughs> I think
4: you're right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I think that's a lovely story about the hot ribena. That's mm. very sweet. I do hope he likes it. Um, I, th- as far as I remember, Gavin said uh, that his dad had sent him to get something off his laptop. Mm. A quote or something, but why the hell would you keep your laptop in the wardrobe? It's <laughs> just nuts. And if your ex-wife and the house that you used to live in is just round the corner, as they said, why would the hell would you not just go to Shulis? It was it was very plotical. That was exactly really, really plotical.
6: Mm. Yeah, right.
5: Uh... Sorry, you've caught me, everybody, mid-cutting and pasting because I realised that I haven't um, got together the Patreon list as I promised to do uh, in the last episode. But there's so many people who've done uh, reviews, I decided to do that instead. So you got me uh, mid-cut and paste and I'll caught on the the hop. (laughs) But now let's have a little bit of shifty day. If I'm back with it, folks,
6: I'm back with it. Hello, Lucy. Hello, Royfield. Hello. It's Shifty Davy from Fife and other places. I think if somebody said to me they were going to visit the bee at Ambridge, I would think they were going to visit Hannah. Like everybody, I think this question to be at Ambridge or not be is driving me berserk. They did make me think that there is already a lot of bees in Ambridge. <laughs> Tony is a boring bee. Josh, a cocky bee. Peggy, a tiresome old bee. Justin, a mean SOB. And uh, Linda is a and b bee. I, I think, as you can tell, this has been actually slightly driving me off my head, for which I apologise to all the listeners, which is really what the scriptwriters ought to do. Uh, I, I hope this story crashes off the road just as surely as um when uh, Matt was run over anyway happy new year I know it's a bit late but um but yes uh, keep up the good work you you lovely bees <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> thank
9: you Davy.
4: I think that um there was almost a moment where I thought well I think Lillian was getting to the stage of thinking it was a bad idea anyway, because she'd talked to Auntie Cardboard, who said, Oh, yes, I remember this. And she talked to her mum and they'd gone back and reminisced about all the things and how important it was that, you know, things stayed the same and that you had continuity throughout the generations, blah, blah, blah. She was just about to tip over to not being quite so wedded to this ludicrous idea when bloody Linda, says, I'm sorry, I can't let this go, and then starts chuntering on about her flipping petition, which, as always with Lillian, then drives her to stick to something that she doesn't even believe in just out of sheer bloody-mindedness. So L- Lillian, um, Linda almost drove Lillian back towards it again out of spite, rather than because she actually believes in it. So we had a chance of getting rid of this ridiculous storyline, but instead we have Linda to thank for the fact that the whole thing's going to drag on forever, and we're all going to get murderous. Mm.
5: Yeah. Couldn't agree with you more. Uh, Mm. I've decided to embargo myself talking about this because it makes my blood boil. So (laughs) instead of talking about it. Right. We'll have a little bit of New York. Nigel.
8: Hello, Dumpty Dummers everywhere. It's Nigel here. Uh, thanks for your kind words after my call last week. I'm glad that Jazzer and Alistair are going to go with Jim to the funeral together. And I hope that they're there to support him and not to satisfy their instinct to revenge what happened to him. I'll be interested to see what they make of the story, but I doubt that we're actually going to hear it happening. On a lighter note, some parishioners gave me a gift of a fancy pair of earphones for Christmas, and I can now hear all sorts of sound effects that have changed my archer's listening experience. Um, Because I've been listening since the days of a radio in the family kitchen, I'm now astonished by the size of Pip's cow (laughs) shed. and the (laughs) catacomb-like depth of the Bulls beer cellar. Barrow Farm sounds like it's situated in a sort of pig-filled gothic cathedral (laughs) and the plumbing in Philip the Builder's house sounded like Alistair had a bad case of wind going (laughs) through the small intestine it it sort of messes with my picture of what Ambridge actually looks like but nevertheless I can't wait for the sound effects of the next stabbing and I think I can think of a couple of people I'd like it to happen to right now (laughs) I'm happy to listen to the archers and to Dumpty Dum in my study without parishioners being able to overhear all Lucy these dirty innuendos. <laughs> How That's very dirty. all for now. Thanks for everything. Bye. Mm. Bye. Bye, bye, mate. <laughs> that,
4: <laughs> um, that, they, they, the, the, um, the acoustics were very, very odd in the bathroom with Alistair and uh, all that kind of la la la. Ooh, that was a lovely bath I've just had, so Alistair. <laughs> <you know? laughs> just so that we, yes, we get it. He had a bath. Yes, yes, yes. yes. Mm. <laughs>
5: It's one of the things which if you listen to old recordings uh, back from the 70s or the 80s the the whole production value of the thing is much sharper um, Dialogue is snappier without it feeling like it's some Quentin Tarantino movie but you just listen to how um, legend it actually did sound yeah. back then but then also um, the atmospherics yes there's are sound effects but a lot of the sound effects are actually atmospheric to so make you feel like you're outside. You listen yeah. to episodes back in 1984 or whatever, and you don't know that unless they say "I'm outside." You don't know, yeah, right? Because the acoustics sound exactly the same, <laughs> and it's just one of the things which they really have you in. Think that
4: was like an early hello, you two. Hello, are you outside? Yes, I'm also outside. <laughs> <So that's good. laughs> nice
6: to see you outside
5: with me in this field (laughs) that we're in we're by the cows don't you now so and I know it's one of the things that when people go on the Archers tour they really do just like revel in you know how the sound effects are actually produced and then the the sound room etc etc so I'm glad you've got a decent pair of headphones and you can fully appreciate all all of the uh, the houral um, dexterity of the uh, technicians who help put this thing together because I think they don't get enough props basically we go oh it's the mm. script writers it's the actors but also uh, those people are bloody little geniuses uh, making us you know transporting us uh, to uh, somebody's cottage or to somebody's field in, in the middle of Ambridge so big ups. Actually
6: to the...
4: I always now mm. because of see do you remember Susie Riddell at the at the Dumpty Dum Live I don't, the last I don't, don't Live? remember her. she said who, who was she <laughs>
5: Dumpty Dum <laughs> Live what was that
4: she says shut up she says <laughs> um that when she's Tracy she wears special Tracy shoes um and they're sort of that she's they were very nice actually sort of like um wedge he high wedge heels mm. and um and she said it's kind of what puts her in the character of Tracy. And now every time I hear Tracy walking in The Archers, I can imagine her shoes. I can It's really weird, but it sort of it adds something to it. I like it. And she's got a different, she's got a very busy sort of walk, Tracy, because she's always kind of, you know, off to go and do something she probably shouldn't be doing. But, you know, it's sort of, its yeah, it's really good. I like it. Thank you for sharing your shoes with us, Susie Riddell. (laughs) (laughs) All
5: right. I'll tell you what. Why don't we go from Susie uh, to Susan, and she's in Houston.
10: Hiya. This is Susan here from Houston. First time caller in error. I am in... um... Human Resources, and judging from the timeline, which I finally managed to find, which is why I'm calling in, I started listening in 2010, which makes me either a Jude or an embryonic Henry, neither of which pleases me very much, (laughs) there you go. Um, Just wanting to call in, have been wanting to for many times, but had this cholera inner phobia. Things that are on my mind today are Roy Field. Uh, you were talking recently, a couple episodes back, about um, the pattern on people listening on uh, weekdays versus weekends. And I wondered if you've ever thought about that in terms of commuting. I listen to all of my podcasts during my ever so long, you don't understand Houston, if you don't know how long this is, commute. Um, secondly, Funny story about advertising on this show. The only time I have ever gotten advertising on this show came after a statement by Royfield that this happened basically any place where people dominantly spoke English. And I thought to myself, oh, well, they must not think we speak English in Texas. Mm. And, well, there you go. That's the one and only time I ever got uh, an advertisement during Dum Dums. <laughs> so, thank you so much for the podcast. Appreciate it. Saying I'm too much, but thank you. Bye.
5: Bye ah, bye, Susan, Susan. And w- welcome on board. And uh, well done going through all the gears. You got everything right there. You, HR, what a wonderful rewarding uh, job that is, eh, hey, Lucy? Um, who's head of Dumdi Dum HR? Uh, me. Really? Me.
10: <laughs>
4: no, <laughs> no one is in charge of HR, that's why it's a shambles. Mm. We need Susan to be our head of HR, I think. Mm. That's something I else think... you could do on your commute, Susan.
5: True, very Once true. Once you
4: finish listening, you can do it. You can do, do us all reviews and um, evaluations and 360s and things like that.
5: Do you think though you should do that pre or post our team building? We have dum de dum team building.
4: Oh yeah. Uh probably post if we're all still speaking to each other.
5: Yeah, I think you're right. I think you're right. Uh Susan, welcome to the team. Uh the the world of Dum Dum Caller inners. you are now one step ahead of all those lurkers, all those people that don't put their head above the parapet and just, you know, like mutter to themselves and whatever, titter along. Uh, but actually, uh, don't put their head above the parapet, talking about parapets. I don't know why I said that, but anyway, I did. 1917, Lucy. That oh, was it good? Have you... Oh, my God. It's a total cross between... Saving Private Ryan, in terms of the message, which, well, the mission, sorry, which drives the whole film. And then the cinematic beauty and the silence that you get in Dunkirk. So if you imagine... Wow. Uh, those I saw a bit films... of how they
4: filmed it, where they used a drone. And oh, they were, Lucy. They were backing off from this bloke, and he was running, and there were things exploding behind him, and he just kept running and running and running. and running. It was excellent.
5: Loose. It's just... It, it's a film without loads and loads of dialogue. And you do go with these two soldiers who have to do go on this mission, which fundamentally is a suicide musician, uh, musician. Mission, sorry, and but the way it's shot, and it feels like it's all in one take. So for the first ten minutes, you are saying, "When's the scene gonna cut? When's the scene gonna cut? When's the scene gonna cut?" And you you play that game, and then they go through a door, and you go, "Ah, oh, they must have cut the scene there." It it is a triumph of movie making. Before you, then, you look at the performances of uh the principal actors in it. It's utter utterly, utterly brilliant. Totally absorbing two hours. We all know that this time of year there's all these um Oscar Award screeners floating around. If you can't go to the cinema to go see it, just go download it and watch it because everyone's watching it like that. It is a breathtaking two hours worth of uh movie watching. A, a lot of a lot of war films, you know, men latch onto them because it's about obvious self-sacrifice and a certain level of testosterone and machismo and there there is that in this but it's not dialed up to 20 100 it's not at all right that there are there's the personal relationship between the two soldiers which uh, at one point is a little bit fractious you know why did you pick me to go on this mission etc um there is there's enough companionship and camaraderie and human affection that goes through the whole thing. And then just the settings of some of it. When they're going to the bombed out city at night. Holy camole. Listen, if that doesn't win a shed load of Oscars, heaven only knows. You know, it's brilliant. Utterly brilliant. And for somebody who loves the cine- cinematography of TV and a film, there is a scene which... Completely just blew me away where they walk around this large crater and they've been told, Be careful of the craters because if you get stuck in them, you're not going to come out. And the camera, which has been following them for at least 25 minutes, apparently without one cut, then pulls out so you get the scale of the crater and then goes around the other side of the crater. And it's so subtle, but you just realize the scale. Yeah. uh, Just loose. Ooh, you know. What? Can I lower I'm... the
4: tone considerably?
5: Well, as is your want, you know, I do high art, you do fart jokes. Okay. And, uh, you know, go.
4: You know, Saving Private Ryan? Mm hmm. They've made a porn version of it called Shaving Ryan's Privates.
5: <laughs> well done. Well <laughs> done. That, 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 that was. A... <laughs> Thank you for interrupting uh, with that gag. Uh, oh, I do love you. Right, here's a touch of Monty. I think he loves you too.
11: Hello, you too. Monty here. Well, this week, what I wanted to say was two things. First of all, um, storyline with uh, Jim and Jazza and Alistair, the way they, they finished the episode, actually brought a tear to my eye. I thought that was really nicely yeah. done. And that sort of made up, for the other half of the episode, really, which I think is a ridiculous storyline, which you mentioned, which is renaming of the ball to the B Ambridge. Several problems with this, really. One B, what does it stand for? Well, clearly bullshit, because there's no there's way, no way that, that they would go ahead, wouldn't do it do it that way. And it's, it's all very sitcommy the way it feels, especially with the conversation with Lillian. At the end, with her saying, "Well, your petition, but we'll see what happens, won't we?" Well, of course, that's going to red rag to a born uh, We can see painfully how that's going to end. But secondly, why rename it the bee? It's a terrible name because it sounds it sounds like another animal name for a yeah, start. It sounds actually. like an actual bee. I can't. I just don't buy any of it. It's utter nonsense. It's manufactured, and um, it really it, they could do a lot better. The rest of the episode, I quite enjoyed uh, the team building stuff, and, that, and that at least um, Kate has now made her piece. Um, uh, uh, so, so that that was that was good. Um, uh, the, Kate was showed a, showed a slightly nicer side of herself at the end of that story as well. But anyway, keep up the good work. Um, speak soon. Bye.
4: I'd love to know how much Oliver paid for that team building thing because it was
6: absolutely shit. <laughs>
5: Well, but I suppose it did um, it, it, it did do as advertised in the end because everybody just turned on Kate for her kind of bossiness, incompetence,
4: etc. Yeah, but Linda incompetence then, then very nicely pretended that was deliberate. That was entirely coincidental. And if Linda no, hadn't no, said it, it, nobody would have realised that that's actually what had happened. <laughs> and it didn't really happen. It's just Linda said it. So therefore it became real.
5: Mm. When... It became the truth. Mm. All right. All right. So that was Monty. Now let's go to our old and trusted uh, Old Grey Whiskers. Hello, you two.
1: It is Old Grey Whiskers here again. Now then, I've been listening to you on that Dumpy Dum podcast, of your fair thing, and you've been saying, is we virile, is we fecund, and is we grey-haired? Well, I'm one of the three, and I'll give you three guesses as to which one of the three it is. And it don't begin with V or F. <laughs> so anyway... I'm getting a bit out of breath now, so I'll come to the point. I don't want you filling the old ferret and bicycle clips for the load of youngsters getting in the way of our domino games. So <laughs> you just leave it at that, and you keep our pub the way our pub ought to be. All right, bye for now.
5: Mm.
4: Was that aimed
5: at us or at Lillian at the ball?
4: I don't. Just It was just a general complaint, I think. I'm quite with you. About young people. I I just can't bear. I like pubs. I really like pubs. And um, I like pubs that look like the seats have been worn down by generations of people who have sat there and talked about their lives and met their friends and had good days and bad days in there. And... um, some it, it I don't want it to look massively classy or massively they kind of they all try and do this blooming um pharaoh and bull, you know, whatever it's called, elephant's bum colour. Um and <laughs> they've got the funny signs that are all written in the same sort of font and um it's none of it's real it's this sort of fake traditional that's loaded onto the top and I can't bear it and and they all do sticky toffee pudding and they all do uh brie and cranberry sauce as a starter and, la 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 la. and I just want a real one that has a bottle of pickled eggs on the bar that no one has opened since 1983 because they're revolting but they're still sitting there and People that know, actually know what the beer they're selling tastes like. And um, proper, those beer mats that go a bit sort of foamy and damp. Uh, and um, yeah, all that. Not dried flowers everywhere. and th- I was in the most amazing pub in, where the hell was I? <sighs> It was lunchtime. And I think it was Devon. It was Devon. It was a tiny village. And I was with my son. And there was me and my son and the barmaid and a lady who was in an advanced state of refreshment who would just been doing the church flowers in the at the bar. And the main talking point for 25 minutes was a wasp that couldn't get out of the window. And we were very happy talking about that. And that's the kind of thing that I like going to a pub for. I do not want to go to show off, to Instagram my food, to have to dress up, to eat posh food that I wouldn't eat at home.
5: Let's stop talking about pubs, boozers, uh, cocktail bars, hotel bars, uh, eateries, drinkeries of repute. And let's have Claire from Hawaii.
9: Aloha, Lucy Royfield and the Dumpty Dum Ohana. Greetings from Hawaii again. I will make this short but sweet. I just wanted to say I was absolutely thrilled by the mention that Royfield gave to the uh, the Rainbow State. Um, and I just wanted to just talk a little bit about that rather than the arches. So I hope you don't mind me getting off-piste for <laughs> a little bit. Um... You know, it, it's it's an incredible place. It really is like no other state um, in you know the union. Um, and I would just encourage people, you know, if you come to Hawaii, you know, look beyond Hawaii Five O and Waikiki and luaus and grass skirts and ukuleles and all that kind of stuff there is so much more to these islands than the, you know, cliched touristy bits Um, you know, get out there get out and see Maui, get out and see the big island or Kaua'i you know, this this place has so much to offer. It's so rich in its history and its culture. And Royfield was spot on about the flag. Um, that is a true story about the Hawaiian state flag. And it's actually really cute that my little British-born second child... Points to the flag and points to the Union Jack on its own and says, oh, it's the Hawaii flag, you know, yeah. because he's become so used to seeing it as part of the state flag. I, we, we've had a great time here. We've really enjoyed it. And I love the fact that I, I call it the meltiest melting pot that I ever lived in. There are no minorities here. There's just this rich, glorious mashup of cultures. And I love it. Um, the Hawaiians are great people. You know, I, I I could go on and on, but I'm running out of time. Oh, and it's the only place in the States that has a... Uh,
5: I think oh. I know what she was going to say. What was it? Has a palace. Oh, Because the Hawaiian royal family, um, obviously they don't have any kind of royal prerogatives per se anymore, but uh, still inhabit uh, the old palace. I think think that's what she's going to see, wow. Claire. Uh, yeah. The, the whole, the reason why Hawaii is in part of the United States is actually um, one of the uh, m- many black marks on the history of uh, of this country. That it's the end of the 19th century and Hawaii is this independent monarchy. And it's American businessmen that kind of go over there and have a stranglehold on on trade, because the Hawaiians are a bit like, oh, yeah, well, you can come over here, do your thing. And they basically, after five years, it's a very short amount of time with these American businessmen being there, basically petition the American government just to take it over. It's a completely independent country. And initially, the American government says no. They have some kind of coup d'etat there. And then the American government then does uh, sweep in and I did mention this on last week's episode and then I, I cut it out because it went on so long.
6: Like this but, one is going to, you mean?
5: <laughs> yeah, well, not quite as long, though. <laughs> <laughs> I, um, I did an interview with a gentleman called Daniel Imavar, which is on the latest Map Corner. And uh, he's written a book called How to Hide an Empire. And there is a section about... America's relationship, mainland America, even I've fallen into the into this trap now. Mainland America or the contiguous states of America, their relationship with Hawaii. Um, Hawaii is important in a, in the popular consciousness of Americans because of Pearl Harbor. The Japanese attacked Pearl Harbor on December 7th, 1941. But at that point, it actually wasn't part of America per se. It wasn't state; It was a territory. So he had this weird constitutional arrangement with with the mainland. And arguably, that is still maintained. And and within Daniel's book, he talks about um, America and where the boundaries actually are of America. And he plots over a thousand American kind of air force bases around the world. But there's a really interesting bit there, which we talk about in the interview about Hawaii. And why is it that it's this anomalous state? And it's because it's the only state uh, of the union where white folks are not in the majority. So the fact it's actually in a state it, in and of itself is um, is unusual. Huh. So but I think what Claire was going to say, that it's the only place in the United States which actually has a palace. Right. Tell me that. I am right or wrong next week, Claire. Right now, we only have two more calls. Let's rattle through these because these shows are getting bloated and long, a bit like my tum tum post Christmas. Now it's Christopher.
3: Hello, um, everybody. Um, Happy New Year. It's I'm I've, like a lot of people. I'm avoiding doing my tax return. I had a lovely new year. I was in um, the island of Mull in a little village called Penny Gale, which is um, Gaelic for um place of no mobile reception. <laughs> um, but I had a lovely time. I have a prediction. My, my prediction is that I think Justin is going to murder Ruby um it's been bubbling along in the background um he he's c- continues to become exasperated by ruby and the and and, and, and pestering him and uh, he's trying to get, a, get get her away um so i think he's going to snap and do ruby in and then maybe um joy and tony um can reconvene their little detective agency <laughs> and joy could maybe Speak to the the uh, the other animals in the village, like Hilda, and then try and 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 solve the case. And this might end up being Justin's undoing after all these years of scheming and plotting. Um the other thing I wanted to talk about, like I'm sure a lot of other people have been, is is Kirsty and Philip, which is breaking my heart. Um, it was a tremendous bit of acting by... The, I don't know who the actor is that plays Kirsty, but it was tremendous because she was saying the right things, but you knew that her heart just wasn't wasn't there and wasn't in it, and, and that really broke my heart. Um, I hope that we're all wrong, and surprise us scriptwriters, please, because they're good people. Philip is doing it for the right reasons, and, and she just isn't. Okay, bye. Hmm.
6: Yes,
4: I agree with him. But mm. I agree with everything he says. All the time. <laughs> Me and Angela. I the way that he says things.
6: <laughs> yep. Mm.
4: <laughs> um, I think Justin is possibly going to murder Lillian first because it's Lillian who's created Ruby as this nagging, begging monster because she's... Every single time you hear a scene with Lillian and Ruby, you hear her go, no, Ruby, oh, all right, darling, and then she feeds her <laughs> a load of rubbish. So, yeah. It's entirely Lillian's fault. So if he's going to be murdering people, he should start with Lillian.
6: Hmm.
5: Well, I don't know if I can quite get behind that. I don't, are Lillian murdered anytime soon? Though, uh, kind of like the shine has gone off our halo a little recently, hasn't it? You know, Lillian could do no wrong up until about 18 months ago, but she's doing many things wrong now. Anyway, uh, last caller in a row of uh this week's episode is our young Keith. Hello, young Keith again. Um
12: once again from the uh, leisure centre betwixt Chickford and Walthamstow. Not Chickford <laughs> Chickford. Um what was I gonna say? I've distracted myself there. Um yes bloody Stuart. <laughs> What's he on about? Hang on, I've got a <laughs> message back in a sec. <laughs> Sorry, I've got my wits about me now. Um, <laughs> Philip Moss, I want to talk about him again. He he shocked me this week. He's he's kind of redeemed himself in my eyes a little bit. I can't believe I'm saying this, but um, the way he dealt with the the Kirsty thing. I mean, as we said, you guys have said before, Kirsty should never have got involved like that. It was just ridiculous, and never taken advice from Helen on anything. Um, but the way he dealt with that i actually thought was really good and i actually liked him a little bit um a little bit for that and um i've got to say these theories about his criminal masterminding at first i was really scoffing at royfield's theories because the thing about philip is he's got money because he's just old as fuck basically and i don't i sort of had him mid-40s but i I don't know when I was sort of googling (laughs) googling him um, in a hate-fuelled bit of research and he's really old I mean the actor plays no offence if he's a listener but he's much older than I thought he was Um, so you know he's just comfortable isn't he he's just got loads of money saved up he's got nothing to spend on except for binoculars and Christmas decorations but then the way that he sort of just had a chat with Gareth is it Gareth? Gavin and so I'm all over the shop today And he said, don't worry, I'll talk to him. And then he sort of said, you should be expecting a phone call apology within the next 24 hours. I thought, I started thinking about what Roy Field was saying, thinking maybe he is some kind of godfather. That was quite a Tony Soprano move um, and well dealt with. So whatever's going on there, he is ruling with an iron fist. Anyway, apologies for all the slip-ups and uh,
5: have a great week. Don't apologise when they're entertaining. It's awesome. <laughs> now, I, I like the fact he's basically on the front desk of the leisure centre, you know, yeah. just calling uh, <laughs> yeah. into Tumpty Tum yeah. while there's people buzzing around. You can hear them in the background. It's brilliant.
4: It's like a anyway. play centre or something. I think, mm. I think I know where he was. I think I, I, think I know exactly where he was. Um, uh, I also like the fact that he does hate fueled research.
6: Yes. <laughs> <That's very good>. <laughs> <laughs> I've done
4: that. I hate Google. That's, yes. Or a fury Google. (laughs)
5: Uh, Just just very quickly, before we start to wind the show down. Um, If you remember, Lucy, uh, started last week, I was bigging us up saying that we got into the iTunes top 10 for TV and films. No. Oh. No. no. Uh, We got into number nine. And then I directed... Uh, good listeners, to uh, go and write a review on Friday. I think I might have misjudged it by a date. Maybe it should have been Thursday, the day when people were actually downloading the show. We got back up to number nine again, but we had 40 new reviews throughout Planet Earth Lucy on Friday. Wow. Like a lot. So you've got a lot of names to read out, just saying towards the end of the show. Like to thank everybody uh, for your sterling efforts, but I think in the UK anyway, uh, we were scuppered by Love Island. Uh, their podcasts are like <laughs> number one, I'd two, three, four, by and five. Love
4: That's quite a thing.
5: <laughs> yeah, if you if you were to take out, if you were to put the Love Island episodes which beat us into ninth place into one, we'd have been about number five because it really was. Podcast number one, Love Island episode, whatever. Uh, no, podcast number two, Love Island episode, da da, da. It, was, it was like that. And then we came in at number nine. So morally, I think we're at number five, but that's not funny. on the chart. <laughs> <laughs> but that That's was like saying, in-
4: morally, we won the election, however... <laughs> <laughs> Today. Yes, us
5: remainers. We won the argument. However, we, we're leaving the European Union anyway. Yeah. So, uh so thank you for everybody. And next week we will do the Patreons. I know we said we do the Patreons this week, but we'll do them next week instead because this week there goes too many names of people to read out uh, that have written us reviews. But that doesn't stop you writing a review if you didn't do one uh, last week. So if you, I just heard this wonderful podcast why don't you go into apple itunes uh, apple podcast sorry and go write us a five star review now um you, there's no more emails are there lucy nope all Right, smashing all right so there's no more reviews uh dependent on how good the sales department is at acast you might hear an advert if you're in the united kingdom i would say it's a good 80 20 80 percent chance that you will hear an advert 20% a cast just need to pull their finger out and you won't Uh, anyway if you hear one it's good because it means that uh, we get a little bit of shilling at the end of the month anyway if you don't the next thing you'll hear is a little bit of a social
10: media roundup selling a little or a lot Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com work. Shopify.com work.
0: Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction. And free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements. Featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your borough purchase at borough.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at borough.com slash ACAST.
10: Cool fact: a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare Short-Term Insurance Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at uh1.com.
13: Hello Dumpty Dum, it's Bear here with the social media roundup for the week. One thing has really dominated um our Facebook page uh this week, and mainly because there wasn't a lot else going on in the archers, but we've been talking about Kirsty and Phil and the wedding and Gavin. And actually, can I make a suggestion? Um with Gavin. I think he needs a title. You know, like um MPs are the Right Honourable or, um, you know, um, princes are uh, His Royal Highness. Well, apart from Harry now because he's dipped out, hasn't he? So um, I'd like to suggest that we have a title for Gavin and that title should be Piss Off. So basically, every time we refer to Gavin, refer to him by his full title, Piss Off Gavin. <laughs> but anyway, we asked a question at the beginning of the week of course, this Wedding. Will it happen? Where will it be held? What's What's going on? Barbara Ambracki said Kirstie and Philip will have a double wedding with his son. So, in Bali, basically. Yeah, he's going to love that. Andrew Didsbury made some predictions when he said there's going to be a crusty do at Brookfield with the barn rewilded by Pip and a spiritual home naturist ceremony conducted by Kate. Readings by Cathy... Hold on a second, Andrew. Did you say naturist um, ceremony conducted by Kate? Yeah, I think we'll leave it at that, shall we? Mike Wood thinks the wedding's going to happen in the bird hide. <laughs> going to be limited for guests there, though, aren't they? Also, a lot of people were making predictions about kind of whether Natasha... I'm um, sorry, not Natasha. Tom and Kirsty would get back together. And more on that later, because I think he was overcompensating a bit. Christy Nicholl said, uh, On a scale of 1 to 10, how insufferable is Tom? I'd say 10 most days, but today is a 15. I think you've given him the benefit of the doubt there, uh, Christy. Um, I think he's uh, out of 10. He's like a 500 each day. Now, as regular dumpty-dumbers will know, I love a good conspiracy theory, and Conspiracy Theory Corner this week goes to Pete Liggins. He said, I can't shake the feeling that Philip is a crook. First, Jim refused to let him build the extension. Why? Does he know or suspect something? Then Gavin turns up asking for cash because the business is doing well, which could be a shakedown. Um, We never found out who the Mr. Big was uh, behind Ed's dodgy chemical deliveries. My prediction is that Kirsty finds out the truth before the wedding and has to choose between jilting Philip or going through with it and hoping she can change him. I love that theory because I think there's just something a bit too nice about isn't there i think maybe all that kind of christmas baubles decorations thing it's all a front he's a crim definitely <laughs> Catherine Unham also makes a prediction she says i think we will get a parallel storyline uh Kirsty wants kids philip doesn't tom wants kids natasha doesn't um the sudden rush from philip seems a bit forced like he's only doing it because Gav has done it. Actually, do you know what? I think I get a weird vibe about the relationship between Gav and Philip. Um, And not just kind of, you know, I think Angela Barnes said about, you know, he's got that millennial kind of um, entitlement. But I don't know. It's just there's something weird about their relationship. Not quite sure what, but they're just... They seem a bit dysfunctional. And talking of piss-off Gav, to give him his full title, um, we... Um, spoke about him this week, about whether he was going to wreck Phil and cursed his wedding, what's going to happen. Peter Dale, and I love this comment, Peter Dale said quite bluntly, he's on my shit list. Meet at the bull, I refuse to call it by its other ridiculous name. pitchforks and Flaming torches to hand. absolutely Peter. I've always wanted to be part of a uh, a mob, like in Frankenstein films, you know, where the villagers storm up to the <laughs> castle with the pitchforks and the flaming torches. Yeah, I'm with you. Let's do it. Pete Ranson said, he's a Pillock. <laughs> I know the scriptwriters like a bit of grit in their oysters, but our Gav, sorry, that should be our piss-off Gav, um, is like a bleeding boulder. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, I'm with you on that one. Now, on predictions about piss-off Gav and Kirsty, yeah, Franklin Habit went there. yes. There, um, he said, he's displaying the sort of vitriol that can only spring from frustrated lust. He wants Kirsty in the worst way. Prepare for a flood of desperate stolen kisses coming from the sound effects booth. Mwah, mwah. Oh, Gav, we mustn't. Mwah, mwah. We, but we must, Mum. Uh, Kirsty. Uh, mwah, mwah. I had to pause the co- the recording of this there just for a second because oh God, I felt a little bit bilious after thinking about that. Now, Elizabeth Llewellyn said, um, didn't like this episode very much, that this episode was poorly written and bizarre. Why was Alistair so desperate for a bath or shower that he couldn't wait for a few hours until the water was turned back on at his? And why would Kirsty invite him to shower at her place? Um, also, as well. Yeah, this really got to me as well. I mean, there's plenty of places that you can go and have a shower, isn't there? You know, there's the gym thing at uh, Grey Gables, isn't there? You could just nip into them there. Um, I don't know. Yeah, it was a bit odd. Unless, of course, it was just some kind of plot device, maybe? Nah, they wouldn't do that to us. Now, Carol Royston also raised a really... Um, uh, an issue about... Um, um, countries and nations and things like that when she said why are the welsh characters also awful i've waited for years for my home country to be represented in ambridge now three come along at once and they're either evil intense or intensely annoying is the scriptwriter emotionally scarred from a wet weekend in rill now, I think you have you raise a good point, because they all, all are kind of annoying, really, aren't they? And, you know, I love Wales. You know, I wasn't scarred by a wet weekend in real. I had a very good time with a <coughs> friend at the fun fair at Barry Island once. So, you know, I'm with you, Carol, actually. I think we need nicer Welsh characters. And talking of which, um, has Tom been overcompensated with um, N- Natasha since he found out about... To getting married. Jed Robinson just kind of didn't want to think about it. I really don't want to think about Tom overcompensating with Natasha. Overcompensating being obviously our euphemism of the week there. But Ben Thompson quite rightly pointed out Tom's been overcompensating with no Casher uh, since she disappeared for, uh, with her ex for a few weeks after their wedding. Um, yeah I think he's never really kind of got over that. I think he's always he seems to be on tender hooks that she's going to piss off again so you know and let's face it with, <laughs> with script writers that could well happen now let's finish with what i really enjoyed not everyone enjoyed it but i thought the team building day was brilliant if only for the clashes between kate and um and uh, the lovely tracy uh, but we also asked have you had any team building horror stories well, Richard Morley told us a couple. Said lots of team-building horror. A treasure hunt that ended with the chief executive falling out with his team and competing <laughs> competing on his own whilst everyone else went to the pub. <laughs> Following year, they were made to act out adverts, and my colleague was bullied into crawling around on her hands and knees making oinking um, noises like a pig. She cried. Yeah, I'd cry as well. Yeah, I don't like these team-building things. Um... Rather worrying, Victoria Littler said, we did axe throwing for team building evening and we were drinking. True story. Oh, God, Victoria, Hope I hope everyone's all right. Now, Karen Hawks was pointing out the thing that I thought was great about this, which was Trace's descriptions, fighting like two ferrets in a bag. Yeah, absolutely love Trace's dialogue. And for Rachel Keane, the um, highlight was the post-it note character assassinations. All this one says is loud and common. Well, that's me in it, says Tracy. I'm just going to end by saying that Drew Hamilton said, "I don't understand what makes Kate an a ex- uh, Kate think she's an expert in team building." Well, actually, I'm with you there, Drew. I don't know what Kate thinks she's an expert in anything, but there you go. Anyway, so there was lots of wedding stuff and evil stepsons, but some lovely bits of Tracy at the end. So um, I thought, you know, an okay week. Right, that's me done. Thank you. Bye. Thank you for that, Mr. Bear.
5: Thank you. you. Uh, Lucy, can you give us some mirror headlines?
4: I can. This possibly is my best ever. From the mirror, girl's eyelashes ripped out after double-ended dildo hits her at Bongo's Bingo. (laughs) (laughs) That's the kind of headline that makes people just about to contemplate coming on holiday to the UK, thinking, no, I didn't understand what most of those words meant, we're not going there. (laughs) Um, Right, do you want tweets of the week now? I do. Uh, Griselda Strange, I don't buy this insightful Kate, I reckon she's hopped up on day nurse. Uh, Rich Cups said, just what Middle England wanted on a Sunday morning. Images of Tom trimming Natasha's bush. Um, <laughs> grounded. For someone who works part-time in outdoor nature conservation, likes to hang out in bird hides, Kirsty does go on a lot about being too cold when she's outdoors. She really does. Uh, Flighty Rachel. Kate. Get into two groups. Cathy, you lead the non-speaking team. And John John 21 said, could someone please settle an argument? Grim... <laughs> Grim Gables is a psychiatric unit, isn't it, where the patients think they hold various positions normally associated with a country hotel and spa. <laughs> was that yes.
5: a Tweet of the Week?
4: It was. Sorry. Yes, it was. All right.
5: I'm going to say this bit, in notes in red. Because uh, you've got uh, a mammoth list which I've just cut and pasted whilst oh, we're doing the show uh, to read. All right, so Dum De Dum Quiz, our wonderful Mike Hatton, has done us another New Year quiz, folks. And as before, listeners can submit their answers via the comment section of the Dum De Dum post or email them to him at rightyouare1951, that's 1951 at gmail.com. Throughout the whole month of January So get going So if you didn't hear this last week Here is Mike's wonderful quiz
0: Greetings Dumpty Dummers Welcome to this year's Right You Are Hello You Too quiz. In a moment, you will hear 23 voices saying either Right You Are or Hello You Too. All the voices were heard during 2019 on The Archers, except for one extra voice, which was included having been heard during an episode of Dumpty Dum. Some characters are heard more than once. How many can you recognize? Number one. Right You Are. Number two. Right You Are. Number three. Right You Are. Number four. Right you are. Number five. Right you are. Number six.
10: Well, right you
6: are.
0: Number seven. Hello you two. Number eight.
6: Hello
4: you two.
0: Number nine.
4: Right you are.
0: Number ten. Right you are. Number eleven.
4: All right you are.
0: Number twelve. Right you are. Number thirteen. Right you are. Number fourteen.
6: Oh you two.
0: <laughs> number fifteen.
6: Right
0: you are. Number 16.
1: Right you are. Number 17. Hey you two.
0: Number 18.
1: Right you are.
0: Number 19. Hello you two. Number 20.
1: Right you are.
0: Number 21. Right you are. Number 22. Hey you two. And finally, number 23.
6: Hi you two.
0: (laughs) Send your answers to right you are 1951 at gmail.com. No prizes. It's just for fun.
5: Right now, Lucy, said this last week and then said this earlier on in the show. We asked people, or I asked people, I begged, I pleaded, for people to write us reviews wherever they were on planet Earth and they did it in spades. We had 40 new reviews uh, from all over the globe on Apple Podcasts. So we'd like to thank the following.
4: Right here we go. Big breath. <gasps> Big breath. Yes, and I'm only sixteen. Anyway, <clears throat> Ms. Hassan, Bobby Boots, NC, Liz Boozy, sick Things, Essex Peter eighty six, Mira doozy P, In a Reality, J. Bertos Gwen. Birdman of Malden, Derrin406, Sue B. Ian Street, Magfish51, Luli, almost exact, the FP of the GFOS, Silky Sean, Dan Tooley, Cobert, Mary of Kingston, Micropat, Chicky McNugget, Not a Dwarf, Scoot Shoots, Hells Bell 66, Wenlock on the Edge, Vicky from Romsgrove, Gnome Ponders, Freak Nick, The Cookie Crumbler, Mike Pear, Wee Hing Dee, Babs- Bab's not Trev. Uh, three and loving it. Jane N10. Trev says Nat Lagoon, a silent character. Minty Matt. Text Pistol 89. Birdman and Mulden again. Crumbs 2020. Swimblit. S Cask. Ali Saf 1. Goldis Finn. KTK 78. Borg 12. Elsa 150. Sam's Garden. Azuma Carol. Nost- oh, Nostonea. Uh, k267 mum a lot why be me carla wiley and pecksniff 56 thank you all so much
5: but we didn't go up the charts
4: right try harder everybody <laughs> 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 thank you thank you thank you it does mean an awful lot
5: it really no, it, it absolutely does. And you said some utterly lovely things in, in those reviews as well. So uh, did not make my chest full out with pride on no. Friday when I have seen the amount of reviews come in. I at one point, I went on to Twitter. I went, oh, we've got 20 new reviews. But we managed to double that by the end of uh, Friday. So uh, thank you, everybody, again.
4: And um, remember to get in contact with us. You can send us a voice message via SpeakPipe on the website or you can call 0203 three one three one oh five to leave a message and don't forget to listen to the we are history podcast from angela barnes and john o'farrell and don't forget to get your tickets for the academic archers in, which is the last weekend in february
5: mm. well if we are bigging up people's podcasts can we just big up mine for it for a chat okay yeah, mine, sorry. mine never get bigged up all right so uh if you're into uh, all things kind of geographic, mapping, and a bit of travel, um, you can listen to Map Corner, which I do with our Claire, the wonderful Claire Asprey, or Claire from Clapham, as you sometimes know. And, um, and on that show, um, we talk about maps and geographic things, but also we have um, a big stonking interview in the middle of it. So uh, there's Map Corner for that. And then also this week, somewhat proud of uh, the latest uh, Mid-Atlantic where uh, we look at the Labour leadership race and also uh, the uh, start of impeachment hearings in the US. And then we even touch on a little bit of Meghan and Harry because we have our correspondent who is embedded in Canada, so she is. So she gave us the Canadian's eye view of uh, the imminent uh, arrival of the Sussexes Over there in Canada land. So that's mid-Atlantic for that. And then if you like things a little bit more genteel and laid back, there's the things that made England that I do. The wonderful David Crowther who, that shows somewhat on hiatus because David has been a little bit uh, sick and poorly. But I will be putting out um, a new episode this week. And we just talk about stuff. Basically, things which we think are quintessentially English, but not in a jingoistic, nasty nationalist type of way. So the things that made England, uh, if you um, just like listen to people just chunter on about HP Source and things like that. So I do many other podcasts besides, but let's just, those are just three. I just thought I'd just big up. There you go. Uh, Twitter. If you go onto Twitter, type in dum-de-dum, you fundamentally get Yokel Bear being quite funny. Uh, you can find me where I'm at, Royfield, or Lucy, who is at...
4: Lucy V. Freeman.
5: And, of course, folks, there is Facebook. And I know some people like to just to, you know, get out their hot chocolate, their cocoa, their Milo, their whatever uh, kind of warm, <gasps> hot Milo. drink. Oh, Milo. Sorry. was the bollocks, wasn't it? Yeah. Oh. I haven't had Milo in years. Another thing that reminds me of grandma and grandpa was just Milo. Anyway, get out, get out your Milo, settle down, open up your laptop or your iPad, have a little bit of Facebook action. I know there's people that like to do that. I don't because uh, I have a vexed uh, kind of relationship with, with that platform, but that's just me. And less said about me and Facebook, the, the better. However... If you want to have a really interesting conversation, speak to Lucy about her on Facebook and then you'll really get some pointed comments on whatever. She's never on it. But I know lots of people like to be on it and good luck to you. So go on to Facebook and you can settle down with your cup of Milo and um, have a little bit of Millie Bell. Little bit with a spoon. And Mr. Yokel Bear. He's rather prolific on that platform. Not just on the DumDe Dum page. So anyway, so that's that. Anyway, folks, this is a long show. And I know they've been getting longer. We're gonna try and trim them. So we are. are gonna try and be a little bit tighter. Because uh, we don't have people saying, Oh that Roy just chunters on about history and uh, and and films, it's got nothing to do with the archers, and you got a slight point, but whatever. Uh, We all are going to try and make these tighter, aren't we, Lucy? Yep. It's our New Year's (laughs) resolution to slim down. Yes. Right. So generally at this point, I go, loose. anything you want to say? Nope. Right then. That's that.